Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables. This is not a storybook we have in our possession. Amen. These are not fairy tales. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We're telling you about something that we saw for ourselves. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We, also, we have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in the dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Meaning that we have, a, we have a, an assurance from what we've seen by uh, trailing and, and following Jesus within the three, three and a half years that the disciples uh, witnessed the things that Jesus was doing in his earthly ministry. But not only do they have that, but we also have a more sure word of prophecy. Amen. It's not just about what we've seen, but you are able to hear of the things that Jesus has done who has not seen you. You did not follow Jesus uh, physically in his earthly ministry, but you believe. Amen. And uh, you hold on dear to the things that were said, not just of Jesus, but of those that were sent by him, the apostles. We follow the apostles' doctrine, amen, which is laid out in scripture. Hallelujah. And every word of God that is spoken is prophetic in nature. Amen. Prophecy is not just something we look uh, to forward to, but prophecy all also highlights what goes on in our present. Prophecy also gives us clarity for the past. It is by revelation that we got some of our scriptures here by people who did not live in those times. But God imposed and impressed upon their spirits the things that had transpired before them and they begin to pen them and so now we have our scriptures praise God but we can hold on to the words of God and if we take heed it'll be as a light that shineth in dark in a dark place when you hold to the word of God and the things that God speaks and utterance from his voice we can hold on to that and it becomes a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn so we can hold on to those things until something begins to illuminate the atmosphere where we're at and the day star arise in our hearts. Hallelujah. I believe the day is going to dawn for somebody today and the day star is going to rise for somebody today. Hallelujah. Lift your voice and let's ask God to speak directly to us. Thank you, Lord, for what you've already done in this day. In our worship, Lord God, and the moving of your spirit, we feel it, Lord God. But we don't just want to feel you. We want to hear from you, Lord God. So speak expressly from your spirit, Lord Jesus, and use this vessel as a conduit for the word of God. And Lord, we don't just want to receive your word. But Lord, we don't want to, we want to be doers of your word. We want to respond to the voice that is speaking to us. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. Hallelujah. Clap your hands unto the Lord and thank him in advance for what he was wanting to do in your world. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated today. Amen. I want to begin uh, by 
sharing with you some findings from the Israelite culture within the days that some of the words of scripture were penned, there was a certain view of their culture that I'd like to present to you today that'll help us lay a foundation of what God wants to communicate among us so that we can receive from that and glean from that. In Israelite culture, uh, they had a certain uh, time schedule and a clock that they followed. And most of us, we begin our day with uh, the rising of the sun. We say, you know, the first thing in the morning would probably be when the sun rises, which is usually around 6 a.m., and the end of our day would be towards the night. However, in uh, Israelite and Hebrew culture, they viewed it differently. Uh, they would view the beginning of their day to be when the sun was setting, not when the sun was rising. And we have reference of this. Even today in that culture, they would celebrate and observe what we would call Saturday or their Sabbath. They would observe it not on Saturday, but start observing their Sabbath on the prior day, which is Friday evening. And they would begin to make preparations that morning to observe the Sabbath or their Saturday starting Friday evening. Because in their mind, the day begins in the dark. And we see a reference in scripture as well. In the beginning book of Genesis, the Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, void, darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now, I know there are many schools of thought that would uh, give commentary toward this scripture, and some would say maybe this scripture was referring to different time periods over a span of thousands of years between where God is uh, speaking and he is uh, creating the beginning. And uh, I, I want to propose to you, if we just read the scripture for what it says, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. So, uh, on the surface, it seems as if in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, there was a void. There was a, a chaotic sense of uh, no structure, and also darkness was prevailing in the beginning. Praise God. There wasn't this uh, astronomical um, sense of light. And brightness in the beginning it says it was dark. But most of us, when we view darkness, we don't view darkness in the sense that something's beginning. We view darkness in the sense as something is ending, but it is not so in the mind of God. Hallelujah. And if we are viewing this scripture in the right context, we will see that God does not begin with the light. He begins with the darkness. Hallelujah. But I'm so glad that even in the darkness that God can still move. The Bible says that the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters and God began to open his mouth and begin to speak into that which was dark. He began to speak into that which was empty. He began to address the things that had no structure and was chaotic. Hallelujah. Because not, God never intended to keep the environment and the atmosphere that way. Hallelujah. He wanted to begin to bring order and bring structure. Hallelujah. And feel the things that were empty. And all 
also bring light into dark places. And the way God did it was not just a moving of his spirit because the spirit of God moved on the face of the darkness, but nothing changed until God began to open his mouth and begin to release a voice and release words into the darkness. Hallelujah. Can I tell somebody today that God is about to change some things in your world and it might seem like you're at the end of your world when you think darkness is falling upon you but can I tell you it's not the end it's just the beginning of what God is trying to do in your life usually when we uh, see the lights begin to shine in our day after a season of darkness we would say that there's a dawning of a new day but can I shift your thinking, not just from our cultural practice today, but to see the scriptures in the, the, the view of what they're trying to communicate to the reader. Hallelujah. Because we see in scripture that when God created things, the Bible says that the evening and the morning were the first day. Hallelujah. It wasn't the morning and the evening. It was the evening, then the morning. Hallelujah. And so God does not start his day with the morning, the morning has its place and it's not at the beginning the light has its place but it may not be in the beginning hallelujah it may start with a darkness but it's not going to stay there it might start there but it won't stay there and whatever darkness you may be going through in your mind in your emotions in your family in your health you don't have, you don't have to be afraid because God is not going to leave you in that dominating atmosphere of darkness God is going to open his mouth and begin to speak into your world and when he speaks light will come we see it where evening and the morning were the first day. Then God continues creation and evening and the morning were the second day. Evening and morning were the third day and so on. Hallelujah. Because God begins his best work not when it is light outside but in the dark. Hallelujah. Here it is where Jesus is beginning to explain to his disciples that we as mankind must work the works of him while it is day because the night cometh where no man can work hallelujah but I want to uh, draw your attention to the fact that Jesus never said that the work will cease he never said that the work is done or no work can be done when night comes. He just said that we've got to do what we can do when the light is here, but when the darkness falls, there's not much we can do, but there's something that can be done even in the darkness that falls among us. Hallelujah. We can't do the work, but God can do the work. Hallelujah. Because God begins his work day in the dark. I like to say that God works the graveyard shift. Hallelujah. He can do things that we cannot. And when things seem dead, that's when God does his best work. Because we serve a God that specializes on things that seem impossible. And when things are dead, he brings resurrection power. You might think the situation you're going through is at a dead stop, but God has a word for you. He's about to bring it to life right now when he speaks. 
Somebody say, darkness is not my destiny. Darkness is not your destiny. God intends to take you to a place of light, but it's not going to happen in the beginning. So don't you give up before God does his best work. People give up in the dark because they don't understand it. They don't understand God's process. They don't understand what God is doing. But when God gets to work, the first thing he does is turn off the lights. Why does he do that? Because he doesn't want you and I to get our fingers involved. Because we might try to, we got we to gotta help God out sometimes, you know. We, God might be doing something and we, we can see where he's going, but we don't like the route he's taking. We say, well, I don't think it's, we don't need to go that way, God. You don't have to do it like that. How about you do it? This is more comfortable for me. Hallelujah. But darkness cannot be comfortable for us, but we can be comfortable in knowing that we're not by ourselves even in the darkness. Hallelujah. Isn't that what the scripture said? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the, there's a shadow casting over where I'm at right now, but I'm not by myself even though the light's not shining. How I like it to be. For thou art with me. Hallelujah. We serve a God that's not absent. He is very well present even in your time of trouble. Hallelujah. He is with you. He is with you. But the morning comes and light begins to shine. We don't just call it the dawning of a new day. We say it's daybreak because in the middle of the darkness, something springs forth. Something pops up and begins to shatter what's currently dominating the environment. Some of y'all live in some really tough environments, and it's been a long night. But God is not intending to leave you there. You just got to let God do his work. And this is the problem with some of us. We like to tell God how to do his job. So God turns the light off so we cannot micromanage him. He's got a miracle in mind by the mess that we've endured. Hallelujah. But you cannot try to make your own way. You've got to let God do his work. Hallelujah. So God will begin to work and we feel him moving, but we don't know it's him. So we get afraid. Things are moving around, but we can't see it clearly. So we begin to make assumptions about the darkness that we're in. God is moving and God is working. And if we begin to move in the darkness, we'll begin to bring fear upon ourselves because we'll do things that hurt ourselves when we're in the dark. Like some of us have done in our lives. Dark at home. Before we can get to that light switch, we're stepping on all type of hot wheels. Hard to watch your step when you're in the darkness. Hard to see where you're going when darkness is controlling the atmosphere. You might bump into some things and hurt yourself when you're in the darkness. You might feel something moving around, something brushing up against you, and you start trying to rear up and fighting the dress that was hanging up by the closet. You don't, it's dark. You don't know what's going on. So your vision is impaired, impaired, 
and your judgment is impaired. You begin to see things that are really insignificant as a big deal because you're in darkness. And you begin to fight against things that probably is trying to help you because you're in darkness. Hallelujah. But can I encourage somebody right now? Take your hands off of the work of God and begin to let God move among you. Do you know how you're going to survive this darkness? you got to be still. You're moving around, and so you're bumping up against things. That, oh, hallelujah. And you're viewing even people that are trying to help you as enemy combatants, but you need to be still and know that he is the Lord God. Somebody say, be still. There's a very pivotal book in our canon of scriptures. The Bible, we're laying out a really dark picture of a person's life. It's the book of Job. We don't really like to hear about Job's beginning because it seems dark. That's a messed up book. As soon as you open it, it's bad. He lost everything. He lost children. He lost wealth. He lost home. All he had was somebody in his ear telling him to curse God and die. I can't take this anymore. Why are we enduring this thing? All the while, he knows nothing about why he's going through. God leaves him in the dark. People are trying to give him advice, trying to shed light on the situation, trying to help God out and help him out. And it doesn't work because God wanted him, hallelujah, to be able to endure that night season, not for the sake of Job, but it will begin to reflect the God that Job served. Hallelujah. Sometimes God may not move when we want him to, but when you endure your night season, hallelujah, God will get the glory out of what you allow him to walk with you through. About over 20 chapters in the book of Job before Job really knew what was going on. He had no context for his troubles. He, he didn't have a clue why he was going through this trial. He was doing everything right. And all of a sudden, something went wrong. The reason why it went wrong, not because Job was a bad person, because sometimes bad things happen to good people. And it's not because we made a wrong turn or did something wrong, but there was a conversation being had about him. In the heavenlies, in the spirit, somebody was singing his praises, saying, have you not considered my servant Job? The devil was looking and trying to attack lives. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? I've got confidence in him that he's going to serve me. And he said, no, no, no. He's serving you because he's, you're blessing him. But God said, I know him. He's not just serving me for a blessing. How many of us can God say that about? Hallelujah. That we're not just serving him because we'll be blessed. But we're serving him because we love him. 
it's that kind of love that can look at the dark times that God allows and say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Hallelujah. The good Lord giveth and the good Lord, he taketh away, but I'll still bless him. I'll still thank him. I'll still praise him in the middle of With no context for my calamity, I'll still lift my voice and give God a praise. How many in this house are willing to lift their voices? In the midst of that darkness. Some believe that the book of Job possibly was one of the first scriptures we have, and I know there are many thoughts out there, but it is said that Job would have lived possibly during the time of Abraham, and that is prior to the times that some of the books of the Bible in the beginning, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, all those were written to, by revelation of Moses. Moses penned those words of the first books of the Bible that we have, because he had a revelation from God, God impressed in his spirit, and he began to write those scriptures based on times that he didn't even live in. And we also have the book of Job here, which possibly predated Moses. And so if that be true, that means the book of Job is foundational to what we understand of God and how God moves and how God operates and God's process. We know the end of Job's story. That's why we can refer to him that he got more than what he started with. But it didn't start with more. It started with less. And if we do not understand God's process, we'll begin to give up and begin to ask God why. And say, why me? Why am I going through all of this? When all the while God is setting us up. Sometimes when God takes things away from you, he's not just subtracting from you. He's giving you capacity to receive more than what you had before. Can I preach to somebody right now that you might feel like you have less and you're losing things, but God does not see that as you're losing. He sees it as you're gaining room for him to do a new thing because night is about to end and something new is about to dawn in your life. In the middle of it all, doesn't start with the morning. The morning, in the mind of God, is in the middle. Somebody say morning is in the middle. That means the darkness is not the end. It's just the beginning. But if we hold on and let God do his thing, something is about to spring forth in the middle of that day. Hallelujah. The day started in the dark, but it didn't stay that way. When God has finished his work, something is about to rise and shine. Hallelujah. And when the sun begins to shine, you might have endured a long night season and you were weary of all the things that happened during that darkness, but weeping only endures for a night. Hallelujah. Something is coming in the morning that's going to change the entire atmosphere of what you're thinking and how you're seeing your own life. God is going to open his mouth and give you a word that'll break the day. 
Come on, some of you are waiting on God. Hallelujah. But God's waiting on you to position yourself and posture yourself to hear from him. And when he speaks, something is going to snap off of your shoulders. Something is going to shatter off of your mind. Something is going to break in your spirit. Your hands right now. Oh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a long night, but something's coming in the morning. Hallelujah. Not just joy, but new mercies. Hallelujah. His mercies are renewed when the day breaks. Hallelujah. And somebody's day is about to shatter when God opens his mouth and speaks into your world. Similar situation in the life of a man by the name of Jacob. Now, we know Jacob, one of the patriarchs, Jacob who had the 12 sons, Jacob who is identified, and everyone that is now existing from his lineage is called by his name, but it is a name that he received in the dark. Everybody knew of Jacob, and we see we call names, you know, we'll say John, we'll say Sally. But in those days, the names were actual words. So they were called you strong. That's your name. But in that tongue. They would call you tall. But in that tongue. You see, Jacob's name meant thief. He was a supplanter, a schemer. So every time somebody saw Jacob, they say, what's up, thief? <laughs> how would you like to go through all of your life being called by how you were born? He was named thief because of how he was born. His twin brother was coming out first, and he was grabbing at the heel of his brother. And the depiction of his first birth gave him a name. That he had to live with. And so all his life, people are calling him by how he was born. What he did to gain that name and that identity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But God never intended for him, if he was truly to walk in promise, to be identified by his past. Hallelujah. Your name currently, your identification currently will identify you with some things that you might want to go back down memory lane and erase out of your history. But I come to tell somebody that you don't have to live in the identity of your past. God has a breaking for you. Come on, today's going to be a breaking point in somebody's life and everything is about to change, not just around you, but in you. Come on, Jacob. Hallelujah. You're a thief. Swindled your brother out of a birthright and then stole his blessing by putting on a disguise and acting like something he wasn't to get something that wasn't even his. Thief! He runs, and his past followed him. Because as he thought he was running from what he did, 
he ran into somebody that was worse than him. He married his mess. <laughs> and his father-in-law was a better swindler. And everything that he did in his past came full circle as his father-in-law swindled him. His father-in-law stole from him. And there came a time where Jacob, he felt from the Lord a release to get out of there. And when he got out of there, the Bible says he finds himself in the dark. He's about to go back to the same place that he left because of what he did. To the same people he did it to. And he was nervous about where he had to go because he would have had to face some collateral damage of his decisions. But God allowed him to get to a place by himself where he was in the dark. And while he was in the dark, I'm reminded of the scripture that says it's not just by the, in the dark. He's actually by a brook in the dark. He's in the right place. He might not like it, but God's about to meet him there. Hallelujah. In the dark. Hallelujah. If he would have ran from that lonely, dark situation, he would have never had an encounter that would change the trajectory of his future. Hallelujah. But he found himself at a place where the flow was moving and there was a river in the darkness. Can I preach to somebody right now that you're not there in the dark by yourself, but you're... You've got a flow and a stream that's moving even in the darkest time. And if you get to the brook, God will meet you there. He'll send angelic help to visit you in the dark. Hallelujah. By the brook, somebody comes. You know how it is. It's dark. You don't know who that is. So he sees somebody. He's I'm not about to get God here. I got something ahead of me, and I'm not going to get taken out right here. So he's, he's wrestling. He's, oh, no, come on. He's fighting. That feet is rising up on the inside of him. He's wrestling, and he, he realizes, hold on now. Uh, this don't seem like a, a regular person. And this person he probably could take me because I'm not real, I'm not real, you know, I'm not a fighter. You know, I didn't have five years of MMA. You know, he's, he's just wrestling this angel is like, you know, I'm a mama's boy. I, I, I hang around the kitchen. I cook. But this guy is not even taking me out yet. And he's over here wrestling. He said, there's something, that maybe this person isn't here to defeat me. Maybe this person is here. Uh, you know, he's, he hears this angel. He's like, all right, all right, enough of this. Let me go! Because the day breaking. He's like, let me go. You want me to let you go? I know you can take me, but you haven't put me on the ground yet. That means if you're not here against me, that means you're supposed to be here for me. So you know what? I'm not letting you go. Because in the darkness, all I've got, I can't see it properly, but I can feel that something is in the atmosphere. I'm going to hold on to you because I feel like this is something that might be a blessing to me. So I'm not letting you go until you give me the blessing that I'm looking for. And he's over here wrestling and holding on. And the Bible says that 
this angel touches the hollow of his thigh. And while the angel was now trying to get away, but he's holding on and wrestling, he now is touched in the hollow of his thigh. There are uh, people that have looked at the scripture, and the Bible says the hollow of his thigh, but in, in its original context, in the original text and the words that they use, it actually is referring to a certain sinew and a certain ligament in his body, and it, it wrapped around the thigh, but it wasn't his thigh. It actually uh, was a, a, a muscle structure that wrapped around his hip bone, and the Bible says that his thigh was out of joint, but it really, something happened where his hip shifted and his hip was out of joint. It is akin to like the piriformis muscle. If you don't know what that is, that's the muscle that'll tell you that something is about to go down. And it's you. Now, most of you have felt that before. You know, it's like that tingling, uh, dull pain. When all of a sudden, if you step or turn the wrong way, it shoots down your leg. You start walking with a limp. Walking with a swag you didn't, <laughs> you didn't tend to have. Hallelujah. Because you've been fighting something that's trying to help you. You will hurt yourself if you keep fighting against God in the dark place. And if God has to handicap your walk, he will. That place that was touched is actually the sciatic. Oh, I know what that means, what that feels like. As a matter of fact, if I remember correctly, I was here years ago and I had to address the congregation in a seat up here because something touched my <laughs> sciatic. Shot down my leg and I couldn't even walk properly. It'll change your walk when God begins to touch you. Hallelujah. In a place that you feel like you've got strength. You feel like you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you got, you got in control of this situation. But God is not going to allow you to walk into that blessing if you still have the control. So he puts you in a place where you don't have control, where you have to lean on him. And now the angel says, all right, what's your name? Not because the angel didn't know his name. It's because before he would be able to move into this new season of his life, he would have to come to grips with who he was. I know your name, but I want you to say it. And while we read the scripture, and we'll read that it's Jacob, actually in their language, he had to call himself a thief. What's your name? All right, you got me. I'm a thief. I'm going to own up to my past. I'm going to begin to declare and confess who I am because of what I've done. God does not want you to bring that up just so he can throw it in your face. He's asking you to be honest with who you are so he can begin to change it forever. Hallelujah. And so now the angel begins to say, no more will you be identified with your first birth, but I got a new name for you. You're not, you're not a thief anymore, but now your name shall be Israel. For as a prince, you're going to have influence. You're going to have authority. You're going to have power with God. 
It's almost as if that he became a son of God, now being a prince of the king of kings by getting that new name. And that's exactly what God is wanting to do in somebody's world today. He wants to make you a part of the family of God where you have not just a new name, but a new identity. Not just a new identity, but a new walk. And because of how you're called and because of how people see you walk, they won't recognize who you used to be. Because you're not identified with that anymore. Some of you in this room right now are identified with things. And when you walk in certain circles and you walk in front of certain people, you, you can't help but to think, oh, they know my dirt. They know my past. They know what I've been called by because of what I did. But God's about to change that for somebody in this room right now. You don't have to leave this place walking the same way that you walked in. Hallelujah. But God can change your walk. How does he change your walk? He'll give you a touch. Hallelujah. God's about to touch your life and he's going to change you forever. And not only will he change your walk, he's going to change your name. All hands lifted right now. He changes your name by giving you his name. So now you're not identified with an earthly identification. Now you're identified with heaven. With his name and his life. Hallelujah. That name is the name that we sang about earlier. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus. How do I get identified with the name of Jesus? You got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. For those that are baptized into Christ will put on a name that's above every other name. Hallelujah. We put on Christ when we're baptized in Jesus' name. feel like, well, I've been baptized already, or have you been baptized in the name? I don't want you to just get wet and be identified with the same identification of who you were and the sins that you have in your past, but when you go down in the name of Jesus, now you are, oh, hallelujah, identified with his life and not your life, what he did and not what you did, hallelujah. How many want to be identified with the name of Jesus? God want to give you a new name. He wants to give you a new walk. How does he do that? Well, he'll touch you. Hallelujah. Sometimes you're lifting your hands. I've seen it many times in this altar. Not this particular one and many altars. People will be seeking God for something, but as they're asking God for something, they're also wrestling with him with the very thing that they're asking for. In the altars, looking for a touch in their lives and wrestling with God. Don't want to come to grips with who they are because they kind of are comfortable not with how people view them, but they're comfortable in the way things already are because it's, it takes too much work to change. Hallelujah. But the work that it's going to take for you to change, God's going to begin it, and you just have to walk in it. 
Can I tell you right now, when God touches your life, hallelujah, you're not going to walk the same. Why? Because it's something that's going to come on the inside, not just affecting you on the outside, but when the Holy Ghost comes in, it's going to change how you live and how you walk. And now you won't just have a name, but you can live up to the name that God has given you. Hallelujah. He wants to give you the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Here we are. The day is breaking. But God has something for Jacob. God has something for people that are on a journey. You find yourself in darkness. But I'm going to encourage everyone under the sound of my voice. Although you may be walking in a dark season, there's a brook. Something's flowing in this place. You've come to the right place on Sunday morning. There's a stream here. There's a flow here. Hallelujah. There, there's many of you that hear what I'm preaching. He's like, well, yeah, I got that. Check. Hallelujah. But I, what I know about church and church folk, hallelujah, some people may say, well, I got the Holy Ghost. Well, does the Holy Ghost got you? You got the Holy Ghost, but you're still wrestling God. Come on, let go and let God begin to, hallelujah, begin to change how you walk. Hallelujah. Come on. Don't walk up in here and tell me, well, yeah, I know, I know what you're preaching. That's good preaching, but I'm good. I got it. No, you don't just get it. You got to walk in it. Hallelujah. You got to let it consume you until everything that seems like the old you has gone away. We find ourselves in places here where there's a dark season. But in your dark season, the best place to find yourself is where the flow is streaming in the room. All hands lifted up. Hallelujah. There's something in this room right now that's flowing, and God wants you to tap in because he's going to meet you here. He's going to meet you here at the brook. Hallelujah. I hear some of you right now in, in, in your spirit. You're not just, you haven't just been going through a dark season. It's been a dry season. There's a flow in this house that's about to refresh you. There's a flow in this house that's about to revive you. There's a flow in this house that's about to restore and replenish you. Hallelujah. There's going to be a flow in this house that when it begins to flow to you, God's not just going to have you there by yourself, but he's going to meet you there. He's going to meet you there. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to God right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, the awesome thing about that flow, when it gets inside of you, hallelujah, he doesn't just give, he doesn't just let you drink from the brook, but he'll put the brook on the inside of you. Hallelujah. He won't just give you a drink from the well, he'll give you the well on the inside of you. He won't just let you get to the river, but he'll put a river of living water on the inside of you. Hallelujah. That you can tap into the power of his spirit. Anybody want to, hallelujah, to be refreshed by the flow today? 
Hallelujah. I feel right here to move right here into this, this season. I want you to stand with me right now. Hallelujah. God's about to do some things in this place. There's a flow in here. Hallelujah. Go ahead, lift, lift your voice and begin to worship y'all. Hallelujah. Not just your hands. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, if you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, let God stir you up right now. You're delaying the answer to your own prayers when you come to the brook and wrestle. Stop wrestling. Start drinking from the brook. Hallelujah. Some of us were struggling to let God have control. Because if we let him have control, that means we have to lose control. And we get vulnerable in those seasons because it's dark. But can I tell you? Hallelujah. The reason why God led you to this drinking place is because something's about to change in the atmosphere. Day is about to break. It's been a long night for some people here. But in the middle of it all, something is about to shatter over your head in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That heaviness that you felt is about to lift in Jesus' name. Those burdens that you've carried that were not from God and it has weighed you down and caused you to make missteps because you've been carrying things that you were not ordained to carry. Hallelujah. You can let it go right now. You can offload it in the brook right now. Hallelujah. You don't have to leave this encounter with the Holy Ghost having those things laden upon your life. But you can let them go. While you're at the brook. Every hand lifted right now. If you are here today. And you've never experienced. The gift of the Holy Ghost. And some of you are here. And you know who they are. No one looking around. We're not wanting to embarrass you in any way. But we want you to come. Take a drink. From the flow that God's, God has here. God wants to meet you. In this front area of prayer, we call the altar. There's a river here. There's a flow here. There are some of you, you've been walking, and you have experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but you've been a little parched. You're a little dry. It's been a while since you tapped into the flow. Stop trying to operate on your own strength on your own intellect. You've been wrestling. How have you been wrestling? Because you're still holding on to things that you need to give to God. Mm -hmm. You're struggling. 
because you're resting. And if you just allow God to put you in position, there's something in this place right now. I feel it so strongly. That God's going to pour into your spirit and it's going to bring healing. It's going to mend wounds. And it's going to shatter heavy things that the darkness has tried to lay upon your life. Some of us in this place experience darkness because of our own actions. And there are others that experience darkness because of the actions of others. Some of us experience this darkness because God is positioning us to receive from him. Do you want to receive from him? Or do you want to delay what God has loosed in the atmosphere. Sometimes we can be guilty of giving the devil too much credit for things that God intended to use to get us to meet with him, to get us closer to him. God didn't initiate those things but God can use them and turn it around for your good. Who are you today? I want you to leave your seat, leave your robe, leave your aisle, and walk with your hands lifted up to God and say, God, I'm not holding on anymore. I'm not wrestling anymore. I'm going to give you control. That is the issue at hand. We don't like to give up control. Oh, hallelujah. But if you trust him right now in the name of Jesus, and you begin to present your life before him, and you allow him to pour that healing oil in your spirit through the touch of his spirit, and his hand upon you, there will be a refreshing that comes into your life. It's going to be through the power of the Holy Ghost. It's a refreshing and a rest. That's why scripture tells us this is the rest. This is the refreshing. It's in the Holy Ghost. You need a refreshing of his spirit that will break and shatter thick darkness. It's been too heavy upon you. God's going to allow somebody to arise and shine. Hallelujah. Arise and shine for thy light has come. Yabaha kosotoyanonoboha. 